So Nathan. Yes, Adrian. Uh, you know how I'm utterly terrible at uh, random encounters? Have I told you about the time that my players went exploring to try and find a Sankeg hive in the desert? No, you haven't. Well, uh, my players, in one of my larger games, had recently had a friend of theirs injured. And as part of a deal with a physician that who was going to fix his fingers, or his fingies, as my players insist on referring to them, much to my chagrin... Uh, had a mission to go and find a Sankeg queen, this large insectoid variation of the Ankeg, and harvest their venom in order for a paralyzing concoction to be distilled. And as part of that, they needed to go adventuring into the desert. They knew that they were attacking travelers along the main road, and so they had to, what they had to do is they had to find them, harvest what they need without killing the queen, and return before enough time had gone by for the Doctor to assume that they had died and uh, bad things to happen. Now, as part of this, there were obviously a few days of travel that they needed to consider. And it didn't go terribly interestingly, because me being the person who is not very good at random encounters, just kind of went, make some survival rolls, think about how it is that you're going to feed yourself on the road, And uh, all it really meant is that nothing very interesting happened on the way, save for them getting slightly lost and losing some time. Have you any ideas about how I could perhaps make this more interesting next time? Yes, I feel that we need some random encounters, and also that we should roll for some shenanigans. I started out um, using it very sparingly because my first, one of the first editions I GM'd was fourth edition. Mm. That was the first edition I GM'd regularly. So I'd done third and three point five as like one-off games, but I'd never done a campaign until I tried a fourth edition campaign. And fourth edition encounter making, being what it is, did not want to populate a table full of random encounters because. It's a game, because it is much more pure dungeon crawl than 5th edition and other editions of D&D, I think, you have a very healthy diet of encounters you want to spread through the day, so you don't really want random encounters. I'm not saying that there aren't people that use them in 4th edition. I was going to say, I have no familiarity with 4th edition, so at this point I am just assuming they've got this little pie chart kind of thing like you've got in primary schools with the the different food groups up there and going, this is the healthy diet of your adventuring party's day. Well, one thing that 4th edition did very well was encounter balance and stuff, and it made monsters very interesting and very dynamic. Also made them incredibly complicated. So monsters had roles, so there was like soldier, brute, solo, which described how to, what position to put them in, in encounters. And you didn't have to use all of them in a fight, but if you wanted to make an interesting encounter, it would say, oh, maybe use a couple of soldiers and a couple of artillery to make it interesting. Fifth edition, obviously, 
much more dynamic. Mm. Um, its balancing method is simply just look at the XP rationing, get that worked out from there. Decide how difficult you want this fight to be. Now, the, th- the thing I've always got with random encounters is that I've never properly used them. I've 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 always kind of had a lot more. I've, it's a something I've just not been as experienced with or familiar with, and b it's always, I've always been a lot more scripted in my style, if you will. I've got it's there are there are benefits to that. Like if you're having scripted encounters, it allows you to sort of plan out how and when you what beat you want what beats to be introduced. You want to introduce particularly noteworthy things and those can still have a place in random encounter tables for example like you want to you want an option that could have something that would be a real meaningful beat but the issue you've got there is it kind of shifts you into two ways of thinking about sort of traveling it's either a case of the traveling isn't really important the only thing that that's really important is point a where you're from and point b where the problem is that you're going to solve so you kind of just hand wave the travel almost which isn't very interesting particularly given that one of the uh source materials one of the most influential source materials in the entire fantasy genre lord of the rings is basically just a story of traveling (laughs) the the travel has and i I think that's a very important point that travel itself can be interesting yeah i think the way i use random encounter tables in traveling is for details about the world people often say well i want to put things on a random encounter table because it might interfere with the plot if I put, like, an interesting encounter on a random encounter table. But I'm kind of like, well, yeah, but what you need to think about is these are things that happen on the way or hint to heroes of other stories. Um, a good example of this is the encounter with the Fantastic Four. Um, a, a group of... A, a different group of... I'm, I'm, I'm terrified where this is going already. So my party... Um, went through a random encounter table to find... And, and the encounter table was full of different um, things that were happening in my world, none of which was their immediate goal, but all of which could be helpful or hindering to their their actual goal of pursuing um, uh, this criminal. And one of the random encounters they could get was to catch up with bounty hunters that had captured this criminal. And they rolled this encounter, so I duly rolled it out. And they were called the Fantastic Four. One, because that's a brilliant pun. Yeah. And uh, two, <laughs> uh, their leader was called Franz. Um, it's it's that section of of D anD D where you just kind of go, yeah, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna do something dumb and have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. It's that's that's most of my most of my character creations anyway. It's it's like the concept of building an engineer who's of building an artificer based off the engineer from TF2, where you've just got your sentry made, named as Morgan. So, that, so that if you, uh, you the first thing, first thing you do is, you, if 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 you come across a problem, the first thing you use a gun. If that doesn't work, use Morgan. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm a gonna bad person. I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to talk a bit about. It's fine. I'm going to talk a bit about some takeaways I've got learning about random encounter tables that I think solves that first problem of boring travel to mm. interesting travel, which is. I want to roll as few times as possible because yeah. I am lazy, and also it re- like if you're, I'm going to get my dice out to do, uh, to do an audible Ooh. demonstration. Ooh. <laughs> it's 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 if only you could see what I could see, folks. It's uh, it's it's quite a sight. Man's got a comic so that you can actually hear it. Man's got a so. comedic head-sized D20 in his hands. 
Um, it's like a pool so party. You don't but want pool. you don't want your random encounters to feel like this. Okay. You encounter a bear, ten bears. Um, like you don't want to do that, or, or be going like this equally. Yeah, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And we've talked before about letting the players roll to mitigate that somewhat. But I think a mistake people make is if you can't fit this on your table, use more dice and roll more at once and roll multiple times. I would advocate for as far as possible, avoid checking for encounters, then rolling on a table. I think what you want to do is build a table that, that includes the possibility that there won't be there an is encounter. no encounter. So uh, an easy way of doing it is if you've got five random encounters and you want there to be a fifty-fifty chance, D ten, one to five, no encounters. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten show you what encounters you get. And if you need more encounters than that, do it on a D twenty, do it on two D tens or D one hundred, and you they don't have to be even chances. And this. Realising things don't have to be an even chance is a really good approach to a random encounter table because random encounter tables, they don't just have to be monster fights that kill the players or fight the players. They can be travelling merchants is a really good one for the wilderness Hmm. that sell them supplies. Um, Someone with a bit of information. Just, uh, they come across... I had a, a really good one from my most recent example is they came across an inn so they could rest properly for the night. Mm. Didn't add yeah. anything. It didn't do much. But it made the players feel like they were actually going somewhere and doing something. And to be fair, even with something as simple as that, if your players are that way inclined, you can to get to use the, you can give them enough rope to hang themselves, if you will. One of the things I I did with one of my most recent games is just they were trying to gather the gather the gather the players gather the people together that they needed for a, a meeting. Some of the important figures they'd got. There was one of them where it could have gone a bit funky, so I went through the entire roleplay of that. And then there was one where all they effectively needed to do was not fuck up. So I just went. So you've got to their office. What do you do? And I'm just waiting to see. Are you going to do something that's going to shoot yourself in the foot here? And sometimes that's all you need to do. <laughs> Just wait wait for them to mess up, and you can have a bit of fun with that. And uh, that, that sort of encounter of a tavern just seems like the perfect opportunity to go, yeah, nothing bad needs to happen, but if you wish to engage with it in such a way as to cause shenanigans, then uh, shenanigans will ensue. And it really helps me to think, when when I think about proportions, not just is there an encounter or isn't there an encounter or what's on there. I like to think of percentages of stuff. So I actually mm. use two tables, which you know already breaks one of my rules. But I use two tables for the um, pursuit um, encounter and the travelling because I had one table that said no encounter. The players encounter a personal thing. The players encounter a strange location. All the players encounter a personal thing in a location. Um, and then I created a table with uh, three rows. Um, one which had the dice result, one which had the personal thing, and one and one which had uh, locations, so that I didn't have to look up three tables. Um, I, I always think the trick of adding columns in so that you can use it multiple times, because... I could then roll a d10 and go, oh, they've encountered a person in a place. So five is the tavern, and five is a mercenary. 
Alright, then. Capra Mercenary in a Temple. Or, if I feel like that might be a bit, that doesn't really fit, I can roll twice and pick the result yeah. and mix and match a bit. It's a really good, it's also a really good way of generating NPCs if you uh, create a quick, like, race, um, notable feature, um, gender identity, you know. Then five seconds, few... five days later, that five days later, this randomly rolled character who was nothing but five sec, who was just nothing but five seconds thought, is now their closest ally and has been brought along on the adventures because they've decided they can't leave them behind. That would be uh, why my players are currently uh, planning a rescue of Gregor the Orc. Yes. Yeah. That would be why my players have decided they have adopted a piglet, and have in and are dragging the piglet everywhere. <laughs> This include, uh, including whenever they try and stealth. Yeah, they've made some choices. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. it's uh, going to get them killed. Uh, players, yeah. if you're listening to this, please ignore that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But it nothing and, happened. Uh, the, first, the, the next thing I want to say is, D&D official material has some really good random encounter tables. If mm. you ever need, if you're ever in a pinch and you need to steal from it, but. Also, just steal from them anyway because they're good. Like Xanathar's has a full set of encounter tables for by level for the environments they sort monsters into. I think it's now, fair to say it's already pretty much on brand for us to say that Rollfish and Anagans endorses plagiarism. This is yeah. this is this yeah, has definitely. been come up every episode so far, and uh, <laughs> but it makes life easier. Now, one criticism I have of Xanathar's guide is that their random encounter tables are only monster fights and they're mm. not very fleshed out. It will give you an encounter. I My personal favourite way of doing that is when I'm building an encounter myself to look at the table for the level of players I've got in the rough area to give me ideas of suitable encounters. Um, because you... Then, then I think, oh, hobgoblins. Well, hobgoblins are nearby in, in my world. I will then, play, you know, and say they encounter a hobgoblin captain with some prisoners and stuff. Fair enough. That's not in there. I think the Thanatos guide leaves things very blank, and if you just go into it rolling on those, you will find yourself doing a lot of improvisation yeah. mid-game. It, it, it kind know, of you assumes find... you're going to be you're rolling to have a fight rather than rolling to yeah. Have an uh, well, not necessarily because there's stuff like nobles on war horses or good dragons and good aligned creatures on there, but they're always a creature that is an encounter, and sometimes... Have you met like, I wouldn't want to roll on them because it might... Like, one of the options for a lot of levels is a dragon flies overhead or something. Now, in my game, that would be a pretty significant mm. event, so it would lead me... It would definitely lead the players to believe wrongly that that was something very significant. Yeah. So, and... and I might not. If I want that to happen, that's probably going to be a scripted encounter, yes. for want of a better yes. word. Um, and so, I definitely think the the other thing is um, source books, uh, adventures, and this is really where I advocate. Even if you're entirely homebrew world, use published adventures um, because the uh, Tomb of Annihilation has a really, really good table for. Uh, and it's a really good design. I would I would encourage people to look at this design for to see what I'm talking about with columns because it's D100 entry for all of the monsters, and then across it has each area of chult, and then the tables are filled with percentage chances. So that lets them manipulate it 
if you're in an area that's got lots of undead, you might get an undead on a roll of um, 0 to 30, whereas in a, in the next area, it might only be 0 to 15, say. And all of that information is contained in one big table, which does mean you are looking up across a, a large table, but that's a lot easier than, you know, they've got like five or six different biomes, five or six different tables for largely the same set of encounters. Uh, and they've really populated that with some of the wandering adventurers and other parties that does that flavor thing. And um, in the bottom of the appendix is a full description of the encounter because their table is so big, they've, they've put the actual description of the encounter further down. That is a really good example that I would encourage people to look at for how to do a big encounter table and make your life easier so you don't have to write six or seven. Is this, uh, I should like to point out, I do not own any adventure books. Is this, is this something else that we're putting on the list of things to demand from Wizards of the Coast? I, I, I'm going to be honest, um, and the D&D Beyond might not like me saying this, but um, a friend of mine buys all the adventure books and has a campaign, which isn't a real campaign, it's just so that you can turn content sharing on and no steal from it. I see. Um, so is, the, I is this where we have to edit heavily? <laughs> no, no, because that's, that's totally allowed. No one says you have to actually be running the campaign that, like... I've also got a subscription to D&D Beyond and have bought a bunch of source books on it to share with my players. So I am actually using that feature how it's supposed to. I'm just also not. Do, do <laughs> we need to get in contact with some lawyers? That is what I'm asking right now. <laughs> um, maybe. If, I mean, if... I might be a lawyer in like two or three years. Oh, so. good lord. That's terrifying. <laughs> uh, if there's anyone in the audience who's a lawyer and knows anything about D&D, we don't need your help. Just send us a source book, please. Uh, yeah, no, no. You're richer than us. Give us uh, sort us out. Wizards of the Coast won't answer our emails though. anymore. Yeah, shameless money-grubbing aside, though, um, I do want to say, like, you know, I really think about my encounter tables, as I said, as flavour of the area, and that really affects what good and bad encounters can be on there and the chance of encountering anything. If it's vast yeah. open wilderness, it might be that it's 50-60% of the time you mm. don't encounter anything. Well, that... um, but I guarantee you, rolling and saying you don't encounter anything is far more intimidating to players than uh, not. Yeah, well that leans into the second issue I was going to say about my uh, scripted encounters issue, because one of the things that I've I've obviously already discussed that the first issue is it kind of makes the travelling feel a bit meaningless if it's if the only interesting points are point A and point B. The second issue I was going to raise is that if you only do these random encounters that are kind of scripted events, it very much leans into that sense of the wilderness is not that dangerous. We don't really need to panic. If the DM wants us to have an encounter, we will. If the DM wants to be in trouble, we will be. Otherwise, we'll be safe. There's no point rolling for things because if the DM wants to notice it, we will. And that's not that doesn't necessarily give you the same feeling of populating the area of the kind of experience of traveling traveling in a real world. Like, take Maya. My the setting that I'm using for my currently my lower level game, they are currently uh, in this in this beginning of a new colony trying to re uh, to reconquer shall we say or re civilize a, a an, an island that has been reclaimed by the wilderness. Uh, that's really not the best choice of words, but my brain is made of soup. And so I'm not going to get a better choice of words here today. <laughs> uh, but 
as part of that, one of the main threats to, in the island as a whole are harpies. This is a known threat. One of the reasons that the that the colony has reached this kind of stalemate is because the harpies, although they see the colony as a potential source of prey and a source of food, there is also an an armed airship hovering overhead that that they recognize as a threat. So the colonists are terrified of going into the tree line for fear of being attacked by the harpies, and the harpies won't break cover from the tree line for fear of, of being atta- attacked by the guns of the airship. But that means whenever the adventurers go into the tree line, as they must, as as they are adventurers, that's where the, that's where much much the adventure bit lies beyond. They 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 know that traveling there does mean there is always the threat that harpies will attack at some point, and there may be other threats that they have not considered because this area is not widely known. If there if that is very much a scripted environment where they only encounter something if I want them to, that really undermines that sense of intimidating threat to it that sense that there are creatures that will act that know they are there and will actively hunt them if they try and travel there and in that sort of environment something like a random encounter table where the onus is always implying that uh, that where where the onus is on me to make sure that there is that continued level of threat that understanding that if you go here there is a chance that these things will find you and they will try to kill you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think another way of addressing that point, if you if you don't feel like you want to leave whether encounters happen to chance, especially if you're doing a survivally based game mm-hmm. or in that environment, you can link is there an encounter to player action. Mm-hmm. You can do it with survival roles, deception, stealth, um, and you can, you know, you can use, you can even build tables around that being like, you can, you can kind of hybridize that approach if you really have the time, um, and you're planning to full, full session full of, uh, random encounter type tables. You, um, could build like a table that has one column for if they're stealthing, one column for if they're marching quickly, and one column for a normal pace that affects yeah. the outcome. And I, I definitely advise, uh, especially if you think a full session might be full, uh, uh, be essentially travel yes. and random encounters, link your table to player action in some capacity. Either they don't get encounters if they manage to take certain precautions, mm. or the chances of encounters are reduced or increased. You and I want and to I am always a fan. Yeah. Yeah, and I am always a fan of giving a player a dark bargain, being like, <laughs> you can travel incredibly fast, but yeah. if you do, you will definitely hit something. Like, a, a, a good one from the chase uh, thing, I know I keep referencing this, it's very common, I was like, oh, um, one of the options was you get a shortcut. Um, so the players could take the shortcut, which meant re-rolling random encounters for the day, Ooh. because the shortcut might lead to an interesting location a or, different route, or yeah. person. Yeah. Or they could stay on the road and it wouldn't be as fast that they had it had their encounter for the day, it wouldn't happen again. And another like innovation is um like I think another question is how often do you roll on a random encounter table? Um I think generally um if it depends on the circumstance, but if you're looking at these travel type tables we're talking about here. Um, I think once a day or one one day one night is a good um, good option. Um, so one, what I mean by one day and one night is you roll for the day and 
look at the encounter they get and decide when that should happen in the day, whether it's midday or morning or whatever. And then when they're about to rest for the night, you also make them roll and you decide, depending on the encounter, is that an ambush? Is that somewhere that they found camping? Is someone coming bother them before they sleep? Or does that happen first thing they wake up? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can leave as much or as little as that down to chance. And your table itself can be full of encounters you are nowhere balanced for the party. Or you can say, 3d6 harpies show up or something. My, my tip for balancing that is always imagine you rolled the worst possible result for the players. What, so imagine uh, I what difficult? Yeah, so, so imagine you got three sixes. What do um, 18 harpies look like versus your players? If that looks too hard, use less dice. Yeah, that, that's a bad time. What do three harpies look, uh, look like against your players? And and I, I am constantly doing weird things. I might do one d four plus five because I want between six and nine. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it, it, you can really adapt that. But I think giving a random number of creatures um, means, especially as a big advantage to random encounter tables, is they're quite reusable. Uh, the ones in the Xanathar's Guide are designed to be balanced for a tier, not a specific level. And I think you've got to, when you make random encounters at the table, accept that the balance is going to be skewed. None of it is going to be perfectly mm. balanced. But that means you can reuse it, even if the players have well out-leveled the area that they are now traipsing back through for another quest. The fact that harpies are still there, there is still yeah. merchants, is significant to them. And if those are no longer true, you can just remove those entries and swap them about. And it really... Using random encounter tables will make your world feel more living and more thematic for very little overall effort, which I'm all about. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, something can be achieved. We here at Roll for Shenanigans endorse minimum effort. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, on your, on your note about... Uh, um, random encounters being linked to player actions that definitely is something that can be dealt that i'm i'm about and one of the reasons that that the 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 first time my players had that harpy encounter the first the first uh the first occasion was kind of a random role following a failed survival check in that they tried to follow they tried to follow the tracks of a pig the dc was five and yet somehow they failed and so uh, they ended up getting lost in the woods. They were drawn to the sound of a squealing piglet, the one that they rescued, which was an ambush for a harpy. That's fine. Random encounter linked to the failure of the stealth check of the of the survival check. Managed to led to an encounter with a harpy. Indicate this forest is dangerous, and the cre- and the th- and the threats aren't just random beasts. Things kind of escalated when they rescued the pig, and the party has a kobold in it. So uh, ah. the kobold. Because the squig, the, the squig, the pig was squealing in distress, the kobold gets down and just screams back at it. So now, where once there was one creature creating a disturbing noise in the forest, there are now two. And uh, so, yeah, run second roll. Yep, that's and now there are two two additional harpies coming down on the party of level one characters who had just who had only just survived the first harpy encounter. Yeah. As a yeah. side note, whatever since Volo's guide has come out, I don't know why, but every single party I've got seems to have a kobold in it. It's it's See, an odd I've experience. I've literally never played with a kobold. It happens every single group of mine, damn it. Whenever there's a new group, someone's playing a kobold. <laughs> Look what you've done. 
not you, Nathan. Uh, once again, once again, I'm directing my ire at Wizards of the Coast. So uh, I get a lot of tieflings. That's what I get. Yeah, it's tiefling, tieflings as well. Tiefling. No, the, no I, yeah, uh, I don't. I actually, actually, I think about it. I don't really have that many tieflings in in my group. The, the I, I recognise that tieflings are fighter. quite popular, but they, I don't get tieflings in my group that often. Yeah. The most common is human fighter. The most popular race class combination since third has been human fighter. The the combat equivalent of the color beige. Shall we get on with what we were going to do? Yes. And build one or more random encounter tables. We came up with some ideas of possible encounter tables you might need in a game. Indeed. And we can put this theory into practice and discuss it while we do. So the table ideas we came up with are uh, a wilderness type table, specifically a desert. Because I have to run a game in about two hours and I need a random encounter table. So we're going to do it live. And we've already uh, established the box encounters. wizard is going in there. Yeah, box. Well, let's just write box wizard. Oh god, right? we're going to make rough notes now and and proper notes later, I suspect. Um, well, yes, because you spelt wizard with an X. I. I had very busy weekend. Urban encounters, which there is a Xanathar's Guide, so mm. that's a good place to pull from. But I think urban encounters very much you want to customize that to the city you're in. Yeah. If yeah. we've still got time, we might then go into something like a Wandering Monsters uh, box. Because if, we, if we've got des- Desert or Wilderness Encounters is is very much... Uh, ticks ticks the box of you're traveling. How's this going to work? Urban encounters it gives you it gives you something you can deal with if your players are just exploring a city almost. If even if it's even if it's not a long time in there, it just gives you a way of of adding life to it. And one and then you've got a dungeon which you want to kind of indicate it's got a, its own life to it. It's got it's not just a box where traps live and there's treasure at the end. No, something something made this dungeon or someone someone is living in it. Therefore, there's a chance something you could come something could come along and you want to give that. Like. Can I bring up the uh, wandering damage table before the one wandering um, damage table? Is the, is this the Oregon Trail rolled roll roll for dysentery? <laughs> you so you you walk into a room and you break your leg. Is is a all time classic thing in Dragon Magazine April's Fools issue during third edition. Now the idea behind wandering monsters is they go through the dungeon they give it that living feel it also serves a bit of a purpose to make resting a little bit more precarious because you don't know if a wandering monster is going to come it depletes player resources up to the boss to make the dungeon more challenging and it can be used to move them on when they are <laughs> looking at some rooms or chair or some other bullshit the chair. the chair the chair <laughs> the chair critical role episode 1980-something, something like it's, that. It's an episode. It happened, an and episode. no one will but, ever um, let, them, let him forget the it. The April Fool's um, uh, thing said, why not make a smoother, faster-paced game by um, uh, cutting out the middleman <laughs> and just having damage that rapidly... You roll straight into damage. Players. Uh, so I will read a few of the entries. So what you're saying is, uh, yes, it so really you- is the Oregon Trail dice roller. <laughs> If you wouldn't mind rolling a d20 for me, okay? Shit, where's my dice? Hang on. Gotta go find my dice. Don't do anything. Fuck. No, it's not there. Fuck, where am I? Shit, it's okay. It's okay. Where, where are we loading now, listeners? We're okay. Shit, where are the... You, you can Google this table by going okay. to the Wandering Damage System. AJ's nearly back. He's going to, he's I got going a to dice. experience it live. What? Cool. What roll are you a, saying? Roll a d20. 
Roll a d20. Like, you're not. You're you're going to leave all that commotion in there, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, good lord. Uh, this is this is why yeah, I should never trust well, you with well, editing. Well. That is a fifteen. <laughs> okay, fifteen. Consult the random damage subtable for no reason whatsoever. I'm going to roll a d percentile for you. Uh, tell you what kind of uh, injury you get. That's a uh, forty-four. Uh, you take seventeen hit points of damage for no reason. Um, some of the funnier uh, entries uh, include uh, your character has fallen down a flight of stairs. Because uh, no, that's concerning. I live at the top of a building. <laughs> on a, uh, roll, roll his dexterity or less on a percentile, Gales, or else cons- consult him loss subtable. <laughs> um, so yes, there really is an option for just break your leg for no reason. Your character cuts himself while shaving. <laughs> consult him loss subtable. <laughs> The next time your characters uh, say something, he eats his words, chokes on them, and dies. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- there's a whole there's a whole set of this. You can find it on the internet. Uh, but uh, I just thought it's a funny thing I knew existed. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Roll, so, roll for shenanigans endorses a- random acts of violence. It's 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 the only way you can build an effective game. So, shall yeah. we shall uh, we okay. shall we build an encounter, build a random encounter table then? Yes. So, do you want me to um, give the context, give you the broad context for the yes, desert? Yes, please. I will put some. So, I will put some basics in here. So, for our desert sort of wilderness encounter, my players are going to uh, look for effectively this uh, trial uh, setting. They they are going to look for a magic item that involves a tomb of trials sort of thing from legend, and they only have very vague instructions to go on at the moment, which is uh, where the sea of sand meets the sea of ash, and uh, then there's some extra narrative mumbo jumbo about the person who was exploring raising their voice high and pray, praying to Bahamut who, who guided them the way, but the sea of sand and the sea of ash. Obviously, that involves uh, looking in a in a desert. And spoiler alert! So, players, if you're listening to this, it's probably fine. This is this has probably happened weeks weeks ago for you. Uh, <laughs> but that also involves uh, effectively finding finding a volcano in the desert, sort of thing. So, where the sea of sand meets the sea of ash. But of, as part of that, there this obviously involves traveling through a desert for an uncertain amount of time because. We don't know how quickly they will be able to locate it, if they are able to identify what it is they're even looking for, or if they're just going to bumble fuck around until they think, that's a volcano. That seems about right. Uh, and uh, so they, they don't necessarily have a set route. They don't have a set time limit for the amount of days there's gonna, they're going to be there. And in terms of survival, at least, they don't have a major issue because they have an alchemist jug and they have a player character who can cast a good berry. So they have sufficient food and water. But you still want to make give this real sense of desert exploration. The fact that they can get lost, the fact there may be other creatures in there, the, uh, the things they can encounter as they go there. So it's not just roll for the number of days it takes for you to find the thing. And also even potentially clues that could lead them to their target destination. So with that in mind, what sort of things would be interesting to throw into this trek across the desert? Okay, so I've, I've added a no encounter yes. number. We, we can decide on the die we will be rolling and the numbers probably 
you will be without off air, I think. Yeah. I suspect we're not going to have that much time. Yeah, but, we're, we're, we're laying rough bones um, here, because the same reason that we're not going to go through and add details about what kind of thing to describe narratively for the no encounter. Yeah. Um, so, I think uh, a, a good idea for this would be some, maybe three or four, I think this should be quite an unlikely entry, mm. but the players come across a landmark. Because in a desert, a landmark's pretty significant. Yeah. You, you you want the you want this table to give a feeling of occasional interruption to desolation. I think mm. the most common outcome because I, I imagine the getting lost is going to be more based on player action than yes. anything else. So you can always add a rule that you roll an encounter each time they get lost or mm. something, or create an entirely separate table for it. But I think broadly for this, this is things that break up the monotony and seem significant. Mm. Um, I would even possibly advocate in this instance you roll maybe every couple of days. It depends how long you think you want them to travel. Um, just I would also like it to be know. known that I know it's not what you were going to say, but you know how your brain just does the auto fill in option at times. I say, you know, yeah. you were saying they roll to roll to discover a landmark. For some reason, it just arrived in my head as they discover a landmine. Huh, guys? What's this? <laughs> Shower of sand. That's that's one way to kill a wizard. Well, I have heard the advice that uh, the best way of railroading players is to put a landmine either side of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can go over there, but there is a yeah. dragon. That well, to be fair, um, this setting is very dragon heavy, so that dragons are a are a known experience. So dragons. In which yeah. case. Can I can I advocate a very rare high table result as a blue dragon? You absolutely may. I was thinking that would be something in there, and yeah. that does give potential interesting narrative implications, which I'm not going to go into here because, frankly, that would take a whole other podcast. But yes, yeah. In fact, I'm going to suggest two blue dragon related entries because there is a blue dragon, and blue dragons like to bury their treasure across a desert. Indeed. Uh, so you will probably have to create some treasure for this, but we can have Blue Dragon's treasure and the Blue Dragon, and if they get both of those encounters, they're probably <laughs> <laughs> because That'd the Blue be Dragon evil. will. I was going to say it's so, they'd, be, they'd be they'd be in trouble if they got the Blue Dragon and then the Blue Dragon's treasure. They'd be in even more trouble if it happened the other way around. <laughs> why do I why do I smell my treasure, you fuckers? <laughs> So I've, I've put a suggestion in here that if the players take the treasure, the blue dragon from the next entry might start to stalk mm, them. And yes. Because the blue dragon may, you could you could roll a check or, or do this randomly or just decide, the blue dragon might decide, might discover it's missing and try and locate them. And there's no, you know, chance of the blue dragon necessarily doing it other than rolling an encounter. But if you think it might be interesting or if yeah. the session hasn't had much threat in it, that might be a good way of putting it up. Or you can leave it entirely to chance. I, I think you should never feel constrained by the table. If the table says, this encounter happens, and you're like, oh, that doesn't really fit, just ignore it. Just yeah. pick one, one line up, up or down. The table uh, is a tool you for you that... to use, not a rod, rod for your back. Yes. Absolutely. I, was gonna say, I really hope I used the correct metaphors there, otherwise that's going to sound weird as heck. Absolutely. You are a tool, so it always, uh, a tool metaphors always work. Hey! 
Uh, right, other things we've discussed for this table, I think... An oasis yeah, I was thinking that as well, yeah, some kind of oasis encounter. Uh, I was going to say, that gives a good environment, and depending on, I was going to say, could potentially put modifiers in there, because it could be an unknown oasis. So one that one that isn't very well known, it's not mapped out, it's not on the main travel routes, for example, so it's relatively isolated. Or, more likely, it is a known oasis, so there is a chance of a social encounter there as they meet a travelling caravan that's making their way through the desert to the capital city, which is at the heart of the desert. And if you are travelling to a city in a desert, you're in t you will need to travel oasis hopping. So if you find an oasis, there's a good chance you'll find uh, a either friendly or neutral encounter there. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's a good idea. Hmm. Probably like a D6. Yeah. You don't want to make that many. You don't want to be rolling too much. But yeah, I think an oasis. Uh, in terms of landmarks, ruins. Yes. Some ancient ruins. Ancient ruins. This might actually. It may actually be worth making a. No, maybe it's not. I was going to suggest the landmark uh, person thing again. I guess once we finish this and you tidy it up, you can see if you think that's yes. worth it. Yes. Um, also, classic opportunity to use one of my favourite yes. monsters here: Fry Cream Raiding Party. I love the Fry Cream, but you can, there are never deserts in my yeah. world because I always forget of forget they they should exist. Somehow I suspect <laughs> that given that this group of players is level uh, 16 or something, they will see the Thrykreen raiding party, they will cast a single spell, and there will suddenly no longer be a Thrykreen raiding party. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interest, interesting enough to put in to indicate that this, this is an environment that's not necessarily going to be geared to them to make a threat. You want easy ones and you want difficult ones. You d it's it's not an, it's not a scripted encounter, so it's not meant to necessarily be this is the threat, the, everything is scaled to your threat. No, there are things out there that are going to be frankly terrified if they knew what you could do and would steer clear from you, but they don't know yeah. what you can do, so it's down to you now to decide whether or not you show mercy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think we want to aim more for... I don't think we want much intelligent life on this yes. um, table. We, the, the Oasis, I think that's the point of the Oasis subtable. That's where you get bandit raiders who've taken over the Oasis, mm. or the, the traveling merchant, or friendly cleric of some god on a mission, or something. Um, I think what you want here, principally, is monsters like uh, the bullets. That, that, that appears in Desert Violence, mm. I'd also be inclined to put the Sand Keg in there as well, because that's a creature they've encountered already, the desert variation of the Ankeg. It's not something I'd want necessarily to have uh, a high priority, because this is a creature that they've already encountered before, and given they've wiped out a massive nest of them by killing the queen, when they were not supposed to, uh, it would be at least interesting for them to go, we've found another nest here that could be a potential useful piece of information in the future. So... A, a relatively low probability, given that you don't want them to be like if if they if they were common, the desert would not be traversable. Put it that way. Yeah. But and yeah. now I'm going to start doing what we've discussed before and look at the desert encounters from Sanathar's Indeed. Kind. 
I should have got my books ready. Hang on, I'm going looking for my books. Don't do anything. Oh, okay. Well, we're alone again, listeners. Um, I'm I'm using D and D Beyond because I'm a modern person, but AJ is scared of technology. It's frankly a miracle we got to do this. I haven't got it. Yeah, I've got it. Sorry, I didn't know I was going to be doing D and D today. I've got my, I've got Volos, Modern Cannons, Monster Manual, Xanathar's Guide. Yes, they are level sixteen. I think I am quite dumb. Okay, so there's an eleven to sixteen table full of terrifying things yes, on it. Yes, um, they are. There's nothing wrong with taking things from lower levels mm. either. Um, but I do like this one d six plus two uh, giant scorpions. That feels very Fair. fun. I was going to say they are. When, a, when are they going to? They are a party of, fight, uh, of giant... four level sixteen characters. A level 14, I think, barred NPC, and then uh, a few mounts and uh, lower level NPCs that they've recruited to this. So having some things that are potentially not going to be a threat to them, but could be a threat to their NPCs is an an interesting dynamic as well. So those, yeah, things like those giant scorpions are a, we're going to go full Fallout New Vegas here. So what page are you looking at? Uh, I've, I've got it up on D&D Beyond, so... Well, hark at you! Chapter 2, random... Uh, chapter 2, random encounter Chapter tables. 2. I you see. own the physical book. If, if you want me to style on you, it's a collectible. Don't, don't style on me. Uh, you, you're, you, make me. you make me feel bad enough as it is, just with my competency. I've got the random encounter table. No, I don't. That's the wrong page. I've got the <laughs> random encounter table. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, there's quite a lot of cool stuff mm. here. Um, it really depends. What, what do you feel is thematic? Because the thing is, a lot of this currently is wild animals that are hungry. Yeah. Um, but do we want? Um, do we want something? Uh, I think a, a nice way of uh, making these fights more interesting is to give a context to yeah. them. So I might suggest the giant scorpions. Um, uh, instead of instead of just that encounter, I would say the players accidentally camp for the night in an area nested by one d six plus two giant scorpions. One thing that may be good is I was going to say there are elements of this that I that I do want to strike off, like any of the things like the sphinxes, uh, because that's something that's going to come into effect later as a narrative beat. And we've already accounted for blue dragons and things like that. So sphinxes and dragons, let's strike them off. One thing that may be useful, though, is given that they are looking for a volcano, which is going to be effectively at the northernmost tip of a, of a spine-like mountain range, might be worth adding into it a few mountainous inspired uh, random encounters something that would be an indication of you're getting close to your destination what sort of things might indicate that mm. if you understand me mm. is there any um, i think that's where we might want one of our sporadically used more intelligent things mm. yes. um is is this uh, is this area controlled by any nation? Yes, or? this area is the Dra- is part of the Drakistani Empire. The capital city is literally set within the desert itself. Uh, it's okay. Well, so then it's, I think um, it's it's a case of it's more commonly traversed from the north, so it it is a lot more in the north. So the southern side of the desert is loss is a lot less heavily controlled and travelled, but it is still an area that is controlled by the Drakistani Empire and. 
there are there are both wild and relatively tamed dragons and dragonoid creatures so giants are giants are a lot less common as you would expect in a dragon themed area but not yeah, necessarily well, I, I entirely extinct. Two D six half dragon. I'm going to make the veterans uh, who are guards watching for criminals coming from the mountain pass. Well, that's an interesting uh, choice. Yeah, I mean, you might need to recontextualize that. I've just guessed on your world. Yeah, but, things, that, that, but I think that, that might gives be a good nice... things to use, and that's that's a good vague way of putting it, at least for the sake of our note keeping. Something something like a half dragon would be yes. It would work. It's it's a good vibe you're going for there. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of that's what I like to fill my encounter tables with. I like just something that hints towards other stuff that is going on that the yeah. players don't have to care about. Yes, like one of the points you made early on about uh, about one of the worries about an encounter table that it will that it will take away from the plot because it's too in because it's some it's something that will distract them from the main story. If that's the case. Either your main story isn't interesting enough, or you're misunderstanding the po- what this is about. It's you're 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 thinking that you need to use your random encounter to railroad them towards something. No, you just if you want to hint at wider things that are going on, you can drop multiple plot threads. And if the players decide to pursue pursue one over the other, then they have to live with the consequences of what happens to the one that they ignore. Which may, which maybe the situation gets worse because they've abandoned it, or something like that. But it's just because just because a random encounter doesn't fit within the exact story you want to tell at that time, doesn't mean that it's a bad encounter. It can, it can, you can, you can use it to lay seeds for the future, or to indicate there's more going on behind the scenes. And if they decide to pick up that thread, they're still following a story. But you've just got to consider what the implications are there. Therefore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... But yeah, that gives that gives a good variety of things to consider with that one. So I think uh, it's worth either just assigning things some numbers and then moving on to the next next section because uh, that's that's because we've taken a bit of time on this one and damn it, we've still got other ones that we need to do. <laughs> we don't have to get all of these done now. Yeah. I think we want but to we, we... get all of them done. By um, before this episode goes out, which is still probably a few weeks off. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, let's let's that gives you enough, I think, to work with with what you want to do tonight. Yes. Um, and I think assigning numbers is more interesting Fair there. Enough. So do we want to? Let's try a wandering monster let's table because I'm conscious that we've talked a lot about wildernessy, explorey stuff, and we haven't talked much about. Uh, uh, a wandering monster. Now, this is going to be less useful than the desert one, yeah. I think, because we are filling a dungeon where uh, we don't really have a concept of. That might be a good episode, we, actually. Let's let's a create a random encounter for the dungeon of the disco lich. Dungeon of the disco. The dungeon lich. of the disco lich. We need some funky ass monsters. Damn it. So, funky-ass monsters. I think so, the thing that scares me now lich, is that now I've said this, about five episodes down the line, we're going to be designing this module. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. The the dance, the, the, the it is clearly like a 
you're gonna have to have him be an Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> he he and isn't dead. Like, yeah, he isn't dead, and like he 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 um, he should cast a gesture. It's like uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it just like that's his vocal components and things. Um, he should. Uh, yeah, you should have him. I was like, gonna say he's he's, cl- he's clearly got to have some spe- some special ability to to distract the players and make them doubt each other because we all know you can't we can't keep on this way baby with suspicious minds oh. <laughs> see i was gonna s- suggest i don't know it's not an elvis song but it's too funny not to use uh, uh, he cast suggestion and he asked the players to tell me what you want what you really really uh. want <laughs> I was gonna say he's got he's got he's got to, to, to have two companions, but they're not that great because they're just they ain't nothing but a hellhound dog crying all the time. Uh, well, obviously we've got to put yep. hellhounds. <laughs> uh, undead of various flavors. Indeed, indeed. Like I would just I, I I wouldn't bother much describing the undead. I would create several, and I would probably create. Probably do this as a D100 table and have 10 entry, like, uh, across a space of, like, 10, 20 results. Have the, you know, 0 to 3 zombies, 4 to 6 whites. I was going to say, I think Eight, as as much as it is drifting slightly off the off off the off the original theme, I think we do need at least one who's one zombie who is in the pro who is who is gradually turning into liquid and struggling to hold on to corporeal form, and he would be Mercurial Freddy. No. <laughs> I I can only apologise yeah, for the listeners who at this point have probably taken three D four psychic damage. Whatever pain you're suffering, understand that Nathan has critically failed and therefore has doubled that. Uh, what happens? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. But somehow it's managed for yeah. you. There's a large number. Of yeah, rules there are, there are people I who home rule it like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a large body of rules that I know. I don't. I've, I've seen. I know what I do, and I know many other people's different variants, but I am not sure who is homebrewing and who isn't. And then when I read the actual rules later, or they get tweeted by Jeremy Crawford, I'm like, nah, no one, I've never played like that. I I know that's not what you mean, but for some reason, for a moment, I thought you were going to say you got tweeted by Jeremy Corbyn. (laughs) Jeremy Corbyn, lead (laughs) lead designer for some reason. His, His political career has taken a real change. I mean, it is very hard without a a clear idea of what this dungeon is, but it, it's clearly quite a high level yeah. one, so we can we can freely put high level encounters in here. What kind of you see? I think a big difference with the wandering monsters table is you're only going to roll this table when you want to, mm. and player action probably isn't going to have that much effect on it unless they do something monumentally stupid, and that's not the kind of thing you're going to write rules for. It's going to be the kind of thing like they knock over a giant pot. We've considered say, a we've considered plan. all the monsters that live here, or that are just there as sort of defences mechanisms, all those different zombies and undeads and things. We haven't considered how this is maintained, and I think we need a, we need a group of cultists who, who consider him like the king. There yeah. We go. 
exactly. So they've they've got, they've they've got, they've got to have a they've, they've got to have a very specific dress. And I know at this point we're once again drifting into New Vegas territory, but uh, it's it's fitting, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, in in the absence of no encounter or friendly encounters that you get on wandering monsters tables, you should do horrible atmospheric things. Yeah. Like, uh, but I think that's enough. I think people yeah. get the basic idea now, and I don't want to tread over too much of the same ground. Mm. But if you if you don't have anything else to say, I think I've talked about what I want to talk about a bit more. Um, Homily. That's what I wanted to Homily. say. You, you asked if I wanted to say anything. It's got a nice mouthfeel. All right. <laughs> say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>